The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, Matt Michaels here on the Rocky T Experience with the co-owner of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Rocky Thunder himself, Rocky T. How's it going, Rock? It's going good, Matt, man. Great to be here. Finally, finally, Rocky T on Bad Boys Podcast. It's been a long time coming, brother, but we're here today, and we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty. Well, let's start off with something that uh, I know just happened. The Mecca, Mecca 9, just finished. Um, The question is, what is your role when you have these big shows um, we see Joe DeFalco, he's doing the door, uh, he's he's booking the card, but what is the real heart and process behind these huge casino shows that people might not know? Well, you know, basically, you know, Joe's great at booking shows and talent. That's his gig. I've always kind of stayed out of that. You know, it's my job to make sure the show happens. Let's Let's just... Put it out there, man. I'm the workhorse of FSW. Um, I get there at 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, usually before any of the students are there to help set up. Um, I'm working on staging. I'm doing 10 different things at one time. I've got to get staging done. I've got to make sure the ring gets put up right. I mean, basically, I handle all that. Um, I direct. Obviously, I have the students to help me, um, but I'm the director. I make sure that everything is where it needs to be, when it needs to be there. All safety issues are handled, any backstage propping. I mean, basically everything, um, except for booking the goddamn card. That's what I do. Uh, how, you know, you look at the setup right now, the Silver Nugget was the setup that you've done for the last couple of uh, casino shows. What influenced the set design? Because I think a lot of people don't realize that you come up with that entranceway and that that set that they see that is, you know, the important visual for the wrestlers coming out from backstage uh, because that is the first thing that the fans see. And um, you've really upgraded the last couple of, you know, casino shows to a really... Uh, standout type of of set that you got what was the inspiration for getting that upgrade and making it look as uh unique as it does well you know here here's the thing you know i work with you know everybody i try to get people involved so uh for instance no escape mikey uh we sat down we came up with this plan hey man it would be really cool if we had you know maybe some caging maybe some barbed wire on the top of it uh, the Nugget doesn't have a stage so to, or a ramp for their stage, so to speak. So in the beginning, we had to kind of hosh-posh something together. Um, and it just looked like shit. Let's just be honest. It just didn't look professional. Um, I don't think it was safe for the guys. I mean, Jesus Christ, Hammerstone almost, you know, creamed himself coming out one time. Um, so I, you know, I went out and I actually found a ramp. It was kind of crazy. We were looking at everywhere. And these ramps, they're expensive as shit. I mean, anywhere from 3500 bucks to ten grand. Um, I got really lucky one day. I was getting ready to go to U-Haul, and I was going to steal one off a U-Haul truck. I'm not kidding you. I was going to rent the U-Haul and say, screw it. I'm just going to show it back up with no ramp on it. My next-door neighbor runs, he's a big wig at a construction company. And I just be happy. I'm on my way to U-Haul. He's outside. I stop. I said, hey, brother, 
man, by any chance, you ain't got an old U-Haul ramp sitting in the goddamn construction yard, do you? He's like, uh, no, but I got a, I got a ramp we use for dump trucks. I mean, I said, what? What do you mean dump trucks? He goes, yeah, we got two of them. I know we gave one away, and uh, I got one left. I said, bro, can I buy it off you? He goes, listen, Rock. It's yours. If you want it, it's yours. I said, how big is it? No, it's pretty good size. Um, he goes, I'll have it delivered to your house in an hour. I said, I don't even have to go get it. He goes, no, I'll have it to you in an hour. No shit. The guy brought it over in an hour. It was better than I could have bought. I mean, it literally yeah. was the perfect ramp that I needed. It, it worked out perfect. Um, so in that show, it was Mikey. We got the new ramp. Um, little Joey, uh, Joe DeFalco's son. Uh, he's, he's a great young man. He's been, you know, investing, you know, his own money and lighting and things of that nature. Yeah. He bought some gobos. We, you know, we kind of went over and say, Hey, this would look cool this way. So between me, Joey and Mikey, we kind of set that up. Um, and it's the same with the last show we just had. Um, I actually made Joey set up the light, <laughs> the lighting, this show, I'm trying to get him a little bit more involved. Uh, I mean, he's part of the production. He's the head of production. Um, yeah. But when it came to hands-on, it was me having to set everything up. And unfortunately, everything that I got to do, I just don't have the time to sit there and play with lights and all that other shit. Because I've, I've got to set up the ring. i got to set up the staging, the curtains, the tables, the chairs. I mean, literally everything that has to be done for the show, I, I've got to do. So Joey was cool this show. He got the staging set up. He had bought those long tubular lights that you've seen. They were orange on the bottom. We had already yeah. gotten the gobos. He purchased a couple more smaller gobos. Uh, uh, I had bought new fog machines about three months ago, four months ago. It just looked outstanding. I mean, but so yeah. so it wasn't just, you know, I don't owe oh, I'm not that guy. I'm not Joe DeFalco. I'm not taking credit for for something that wasn't just me. It's a collaboration of a bunch of people getting the job done. And and that's what we do, you know? So that's how that all came about. But yeah, I mean, every show that we do, Matt, we're, we're just trying to get it better and better and better. And, and let's be honest, the Silver Nugget, that's where we originally started from when we left the SWAT meet, for crying out loud. Um, and we just didn't have a choice. We had to go back there. I, I hate the room. I'm going to be honest with you. But it's a big enough room, and we've been able to make it look decent in order for us to continue doing those bigger shows. Um, right. Obviously, I, I'm sure Joe's talked about it. You know, we're trying to get back to the Silverton. Um, right. Samstown's my favorite place to be. But Jesus Christ, Samstown now wants ten dollars to $15,000 just to walk in the door. Um I think people have the wrong impression in, in the wrestling business that, you know, we're not just, I'm not, we're just not, we're not just a promotion. Uh, we're a training facility. We do it all. And I think people think that all oh, these guys are making, you know, hand over fist with all this money and we're, we're not. And most of the time, if we break even, we're lucky. Most of the time we're still coming out of pocket, even for the big shows uh, like the Mecca. You, you've seen the card on Mecca. I mean, from top to bottom, just a fantastic, fantastic show. Um, and, and that costs you money. There's no getting around it, you know. Um, so it's not a money-making thing. I mean, you know, we're moving forward trying to, I guess what I, I guess let's put it this way. So Joe DeFalco is a great guy. He's great at doing, I, I love him as a partner. And by the way, most people don't know that I'm the co-owner. Anybody on the outside of FSW don't even know that I'm the co-owner of FSW. I am 50% partner, whether it be on paper, whether you see it when you punch it in, I am 50% Joe DeFalco's fucking partner. That's the bottom line. Over the last couple of months, I've had so many people come up to me, you know, introduce, oh, hey, how you doing? Thinking that I'm the fucking head of security. No. I'm not the head of security for FSW. I am a goddamn working partner. When I say working, I am a working partner. Um, I'm a businessman. I've always been a businessman. I'm sure the stories come out how I got involved with FSW. Uh, I was back in the day, I mean, Jesus Christ, almost 12 years ago with uh, Jack Slammy and Michael Modest. Uh, Joe DeFalco came to me. I was making millions of dollars at the time. I was a money man. Um, and that's kind of how I got into it, because I love wrestling. I've always loved wrestling. Um, 
That's the bottom line. Hang on a second. You know, people are always bothering me. Hey, come in. Oh, well. Come in. Come in. It's locked. Hang on one second. Like, just, just hang on. Because that's the kind of guy I am. 24-7. Got to do my thing. You're interrupting me. I'm, I'm on an important podcast with bad boys. Grab what you got to grab. Shut my guy. Get unlock it, please. And then get the hell out of here. Get on your post. Anyway, as I was saying, business as usual. I'm a businessman. I own a multi-million dollar security company on top of FSW. Um, I'm a father of a 17-year-old kid. I've got a lovely wife. Um, I rescue animals. I mean, I'm I'm a 24-hour-a-day guy. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. So, But anyway, just so everybody knows, I am 50% partner of FSW, okay? Um, and I do my share. Joe's, you know, I mean, when Joe brought me in, Joe is not a technical kind of guy. When I mean that, as Jesus Christ, Matt, I think in, in 11 years, Joe's helped me set up the ring one time. Back 10 years ago, we did a, we rented the ring for a Lucha show at the Cheyenne Salute, if I'm not mistaken. And we didn't really have a lot of students. We didn't have hands to help. And I think it was me, little Joey, Joe, and I, I believe even his wife helped out. I think that's the only time that Joe DeFalco has put his hands on the goddamn ring. Okay. Now, I don't know. I'm going to be honest with you. If I disappeared or died tomorrow, I don't know who the hell they would get to set up this goddamn ring and get everything set for the show. I mean, and that's even at the school. I got to micromanage the school. I got to help do this, help do that. Are the, the TVs on? Is this done? Is that done? Um, I'm going to be honest with you. Sunday, I was steaming pissed. So I had a busy week that week. I had reloaded and pre-did everything. And I, even I forgot a couple of things. I had to send somebody back for the ring ropes. Um, but I had such a busy week that I didn't micromanage everything. Yeah. I get there, set up. And there's no goddamn equipment for production. I'm like, uh, where's production team? Oh, well, they're at the school breaking down. You're breaking down on Sunday morning, the day of the goddamn show. I was, Matt, I, I was fit to be tied. Okay? Wow. So now, you know, we got to rush to get that all done. I mean, you know, there's so many moving parts when you're doing a goddamn show. I mean, it's just never right. ending. You know what I mean? So they finally, they got the production stuff there. We were missing a few things, had to make a few trips. Um, you know, Joe DeFalco, God bless his heart. You know, he shows up when he does. Most of the shit's already done because that's Joe. You know, his he does his keyboard stuff, you know, and books the show, but the rest kind of falls on me. It was kind of funny because, you know, he comes up to me, hey, I need you to watch the door. Okay, Joe, no problem. What's going on? Oh, Shit, I forgot the envelopes, the pay. It's at the house. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Well, right, I had left because I needed to get at least an hour sleep Sunday. So I went in at 8. I left there probably around noontime. I figured, okay, let me go home. Let me sleep for 30 minutes, jump in the shower, have my ass back there by 2, 2.30. Well, I lay my head down. I get a call from Ash. Ash is my new gym manager, Okay. Uh, Rock, uh, hey, uh, we got a little problem. Uh, hey, Ash, what's going on? Uh, well, the ropes broke. I'm like, oh, shit. Are you kidding me right now? What do you mean the ropes broke? And now I'm thinking, okay, the actual ropes broke. I don't know if you remember back in the day we had, uh, I think it was Halcatraz and Tyshawn Prince in the ring. And yes. literally, they snapped the goddamn ropes. They didn't yes. break a turnbuckle. They snapped the goddamn ropes. We had to finish the show with two ropes, literally. Um, but anyway, needless to say, uh, okay. So now I gotta, I gotta figure out what's going on. Send me a picture. What's broken. Come to find out one of the turnbuckles was stripped out. Well, we uh -huh. just don't have those on hand. Okay. Ash was like, Oh, just bring me a rope, you know, cause Ash knows it all. You know what I mean? He knows it all. Hey, bring me one of the ropes, whatever, whatever. I'm like, Ash, what exactly is going on? Oh, well, the turnbuckle stripped out, calls me back. Oh, I think I got it fixed. Oh, no, I don't have it fixed. I'm like, okay, brother. I said, first of all, we can't just replace one rope. So right. 
in layman terms, when you do ring ropes, like I build most of our ring ropes. So we'll order them. Then I actually got to put them together. There's a knuckle side. The knuckle side has clamps that holds the two cables together. You set them. You make sure everything's even all the way around because the ropes got to be, you know, parallel to each other. And right. if you do them wrong, you're going to have a rope that sticks out four to six inches the wrong way and is very dangerous if the guys go to hit the ropes. Yeah. Uh, needless to say, so now I'm, you know, now I'm in motion. It's like, okay, now I got to figure this out. Um, what size turnbuckles are they, Ash? Oh, uh, I don't know. Let me look. All right. Oh, well, they're, they're half inch. Okay, Ash. Well, guess what? One rope's not going to do it because the ropes that we have at the, on the other ring, most rings are either five eighths or three quarter turnbuckles. This, this right. is the new ring. We got the ropes from them. I didn't make those ropes. So they put half inch on there, which is the smallest really that you could use on a wrestling ring. Yeah. You can't take uh, one rope that has half inch turnbuckles and then replace it with a rope that has three quarter or five eighths. Cause you're going to have that same thing. The ropes are going to yeah. be like this. So I tell Ash, no, no, that's not going to work. Send a couple of students to the school. I get out of bed, jump in the shower, head over to the school. We get the ropes off. We're on our way back to the Silver Nugget. Um, Jimmy Jack, I got to tell you, Jimmy Jack, what a great guy. What a great hand, even behind the scenes. Um, yep. He's become, not only has he become a great, I mean, I don't want to say he's the greatest wrestler in the world, but character wise, he's learning so much and he is such a great entertainer. Got to give yeah. that kid kudos. But on the other turn of that, he is such a big help to me. Um, if I call him, I need him. He, by the time I got to the school, I'm going to be honest with you, him and two other guys already had the ropes off the other ring and had them in the back of the car, which was great for me. Okay, let's go. We got to get to the silver nugget. We get yeah. there, we get the new ropes on, or, you know, the ropes on, and everything's good. We're, we're ready to roll. Uh, we fine-tune a few more things. By then, Joey's got the lighting up, production's set. Uh, we're ready to rock and roll. So, yeah, man, a lot, a lot of shit happens in the business, a lot of shit that people don't know and don't understand. Um, yeah. It's grueling. It takes... It takes usually when we do a ring setup, I try to have 15 to 20 guys there and it still takes us a good four to five hours for setup. Yep. Um, back in the old days in some places we would be able to get in the night before um, and we get everything set up the night before lately at the silver nugget, they have so many cancers kind of seat is or whatever the hell they call that Mexican shit, you know, that their Saturdays are usually booked, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. With their sweet 16s and that thing that I just said, I don't know what it, what it is. Uh, but anyway, uh, so we're, we hardly are ever able to set up the night before anymore, which is a real pain in the ass because doing a setup on the day of the show it's grueling. It's nerve wracking yeah. because shit happens. At least if I do set up the night before and we test everything, everything's good. If something's wrong, we can get it fixed. We can prepare for it. Even if we do it in the morning, we know what the problem is. We have the solution. When we're running a show and setting up that same day, I don't have that luxury of, of okay, you know, well, we'll, we'll get it. Yeah. It's like now it's balls to the walls. Now we got to figure shit out on the fly and get it done. We're running our Sunday shows at five o'clock. Most of the time we're running at seven. Uh, when we do the school shows and Saturdays and Friday shows are usually 7 p.m. On a Sunday, kids got school. So we run an earlier show. So you figure call time is usually about three o'clock. So and then we open the doors at four, four thirty for pre-show. So right. I got to have shit done. It, if something goes wrong between the hours of 12 and two, I'm almost screwed. I mean, literally, yeah. I'm almost screwed. I've got to, I've got to come up with that solution so fast. It's, it's not even funny. And then let, let's move back a show where no escape. So obviously, you see, we have to set up a cage. Now I'm a master pro at setting up cages. I have that shit down to a science. Um, I think the fastest time we've ever had is like seven minutes and fifty eight seconds. Which wow. to set up a cage is yeah. amazingly fast. I think this last show, we were right around 10 minutes, uh, 11 minutes, somewhere right in between there, which by all means is still fast as hell. Yeah. But it's me. 
it's I get the kids, they help carry it in, but nobody knows how to do the straps. Nobody knows how to tie it together. I am running around. By the time I'm done in that 10 minutes, I'm soaked. I'm so drenched. I'm up on top of ladders. I'm down below. I'm, you know, I'm everywhere that I got to be because I got to do all that. And it's right. important because it's the safety of not only the fans, but it's the safety of the of the performers and the wrestlers. Um, right. I don't want anybody getting hurt. I don't want there to be a slip up. And when you're when you're dealing with that cage, it's no joke. Um, yeah. and, and the way I do that is I actually get 12 panels. We take the panels, we turn them up, and then I lock them together with brackets. Um, so now it becomes three panels per side. So it's really hard to move them. So I accordion those three together, which is very heavy. We carry them in. We stand them up. They all have to go the right way. So there's a certain way you got to open them. You got to get them to the ring. And then you start the strap down uh, procedure. Um, and I think that I use, uh, shit, it's one, two, three, four, five, six. It's like probably almost, I'd say, 18 straps um, okay. to get that thing to stand up safely and attached to the ring. Um, yeah. And if you notice, we don't actually have a panel that has a door. We got to use one whole panel as a door. We're actually right. ordered for the future because we're trying to evolve. every Everything that we do, we're evolving. Uh, we actually ordered a panel that actually has a door on it. So now nice. we'll be able to lock that panel down and actually they'll be able to go in and out of a regular door. Uh, they just don't make them they don't have them um we yeah. don't own we'll own that particular one but we normally rent the fencing for me to build the cage and of course i build that a couple of days prior i'll get a few students we'll get everything you know tied in and then we usually have four sections so like i said there's every there's always something that we have to do to make this these shows happen um you know the it's it, you've mentioned it a little bit, and that is um, the uh, the look, the style, and like you said, big word professionalism uh, to make it look really professional. Um, so the the big question for you is, being that you are a businessman, uh, you have a million dollar, multi million dollar company. The question is, how do you see elevating FSW? And where is the conflict on agreement on how that can be achieved? Well, you know what? That, that, that's a great question. Um, I don't want to take anything from Joe. Okay. I love Joe. I'm, I'm the kind of guy where I, when I talk to somebody, I make sure people know that, Hey, I have a partner. His name is Joe DeFalco. Okay. I'm not pretty, I'm pretty sure that it doesn't really work both ways. If I'm on a podcast, I'll give props to Joe. If he's on a podcast, you'll never hear Rocky T come out of his mouth. I think Joe, and this is nothing, you know, against Joe. It's just Joe. That's the way Joe is. Um, um, I guess the good way to put it is Joe's very happy being the big fish in the little pond. Okay. He's happy being the big fish in the little pond. Me personally, that's not my goal, okay? My goal is to be the little fish in the bigger pond. You know what I mean? I want to be in the ocean with the sharks. And what I mean by that is I want to be the ring of honors, the impact wrestling. And I'm going to be honest with you. Our storylines, uh, our shows are as good, maybe even better than ring of honor was and, and is equal to impact. I mean, the only difference is, is these companies have multi-billionaires that put out that money so they can do what they want to do. Remember, we're working on a freaking strict, strict budget. You know, we're budgeting shows at, you know, maybe five to, you know, 7,000 most of the time. You know, our, our budget for a school show might be a couple grand. Um, yeah. You don't bring that in at the door. So what we do for as little money as we have, uh, we do a re really great job. The problem is, is you have to be a businessman in this. You have to have the proper book work. You have to show your, your wins and your losses. Um, everything has to be tightened up. Now, unfortunately, I'm not really a part of that. I'll ask for certain things that I really don't get. 
I can't go and get a multi-million dollar investor when I ask for book work and you tell me, well, I'll send you the Zeller receipts or I'll, you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. That's not going to cut it. Okay. Now for Rocky T's, a multi-million dollar business, I have a legitimate CPA. Um, I have consultants. Um, I pay people to do the job to make sure that Rocky T's, I pay quarterly taxes. I file taxes every year. You have to have those things to get a multi-million dollar investor invested in you. That's yeah. the bottom line. We're not quite there yet. We're working on it. We're trying. I'm trying to push Joe to do certain things um, to get us in that position. Because let's face it, if you want to be the big fish in a little pond, you can keep going the way we're going. That's fine. We're getting better and better. We got the network now. But really, that's not my goal. My goal is for some guy to come in, throw out three, four million dollars and say, hey, I want to invest in this company. I think you guys could be the next impact wrestling. And honestly, we could. Joe, Joe has got a fantastic mind when it comes to storyline, when it comes to booking. I'm not going to take that away from the guy. He is brilliant. He is right. fucking brilliant at what he does. Um, but there's so much more to the business aspect than just being a great booker and a great storyteller. Okay. So yeah. we got to kind of come together and we got to figure things out and we got to kind of move to that next level um, to get that guy in. And what happens when you get that three, $4 million investor now you can go to the TV channels. Your production is spot on. You're now you can pay the guys what they need. Everybody gets put on a payroll. Nobody's working for free. It changes the whole goddamn game. Cause you got to remember, we, we don't really have a payroll. The only people that get paid are the guys on the show and we only pay them what we can afford to pay them. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. Almost every one of them deserves so much more, Matt. They really yeah. do. They bust their ass for FSW. I'm so proud of our roster. I mean, Jesus Christ, you know, and, and I'm talking about like guys like Hammerstone and Chris Bay, all of those guys, they are so humble when it comes to us. Um, yeah. You know, they could be charging us a lot more money to come in and, and do what they do for us, but they don't because, you know, we help them get where they are. You know, FSW really has done that for a lot of these guys, whether they, you know, trained with FSW or not. Um, and, and we know the track record, obviously, Karrion Cross. I mean, you got Zoe Stark. You, I mean, there's so many of them, man. You know, uh, Jay Vidal, Chris Bay. Um, I mean, just so many people uh, we've helped get out there in the wrestling world. Um, and and it cost us to do that. I mean, Jesus Christ, Karrion Cross. Let's face the facts. The guy's fantastic. He can talk like no other. The first year or two, though, he couldn't really wrestle, but he was a talker. Anything that came out of his mouth, he could make you believe. He was that person, and then it didn't matter who you were. You're going to get your ass kicked. You're going to get your ass handed to you. I mean, that was the bottom line. So what Joe did, you know, um, bless his heart, he spent a lot of money. We spent a lot of money on Cross. And what I mean by that is we brought every goddamn name guy in that we could to put Cross in the ring with. Right. Every goddamn one that we could. And that started to elevate him. Now, when he started getting elevated from FSW, other companies started taking notice. He started getting booking here, booking there. And that's kind of how it went. Um, Chloe Stark. Chloe Stark was great. Now, obviously, um, her man, um, Tom Howard, come from the wrestling world, very talented man, great wrestler. She had a foot up already. Um, she had been training, training, training. She came to FSW, worked her ass off. Uh, we put the Women's Championship on. Even Tom, you know, reached out to me and said, you know, I just want to thank you guys uh, because we helped elevate her to get her to where she needed to be, which is in WWE, Jesus Christ, it, it doesn't get any better than that, right? Yeah. Sola yeah. Sokoa, same shit. His dad owns a wrestling company, okay? Everybody knows Rikishi, right? That's his father. But when he came to Vegas, where did he come? He came to FSW. What did we do? We put the Nevada State Championship on him. We got him some great matches. We helped him kind of move forward. And look at him now. Oh, my God. He is killing it out there with the bloodline. Killing yeah. it. Um, so we, we've been very lucky. You know, 
let's talk about Jay Vidal. Jay Vidal was training with Gangrel. That's where he trained at. Came to FSW. We used him, used him, used him, seen that he was a great talent, put him in some great matches, kind of helped him get where he needed to go. You know, he was helping with ring crew when we – so a lot of people don't know. Um, let me throw it out there. So um, we just got done with four days of impact a couple of weeks back. So basically yours truly, um, I'm the guy. So when impact comes into town, I'm there from the time that they start to the time that they finish. I'm the first guy there and the last guy to leave. Okay. I run impacts ring crew, bottom line, uh, anything that they need. I'm the guy that coordinates everything to get it done. Um, that's the trust that I have built and the reputation that I have built in this business that, Hey, we put it in Rocky's hands. We know it's going to happen. And, and, and which is a great thing. Um, but anyway, so back to Jay Vidal. So in the beginning, Jay Vidal was helping out with ring crew. And that's how he was kind of seen because let's face it, Scott Dillamore. He, he watches everything. He likes those youngsters that put in the work and, when it comes time for an extra spot here or there, those are the people that we put forward for impact because the impact will always ask, well, Hey, we got this spot. Who is deserving of that spot? And that's why I tell these kids every goddamn day, work your ass off because somebody's always watching opportunities yeah. come to you. If you're that person, some of them get it. Some of them don't, you know? Um, but anyway, that's how Jay Vidal, Sandra Moon, so I had a busy week one year uh, with Impact being in. Now, I was still there, but I had to leave here and there. So when I would leave, I'd put Sandra Moon in charge. Believe it or not, Sandra Moon at one time was my, my gym manager. She did a fabulous job. She was on top of her game. Um, I could see that. I like to give certain people um, certain roles uh, and and hope that they flourish in that role because it makes them a better person, makes them a better wrestler. It makes them a all around better person, to be honest with you. So we did that with Sandra Moon and then Sandra Moon ended up getting some spots on the show. And, and whether they're dark matches or not, it really doesn't matter. If you get a spot on the show, it doesn't matter if it's a security spot and they'll tell you at impact. A lot of the big wigs at impact started taping. They started their careers at impact by taping ropes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so you start at the bottom and when somebody notices that you're a hard worker, they're going to give you that opportunity to shine. So, so good stuff. Um, but like I said, so that's how Jay Vidal got in. That's how Sandra Moon got in. Um, we've done so much in FSW. I mean, uh, Britain's top model. We've, uh, we, we did gigolos HBO or Cinemax's gigolos. I mean, Jesus Christ, we're, uh, we're just, we're always doing something. I, I've got something else going on right now. Unfortunately, I can't really discuss it. It's a little hush hush. Um, but we're always working with somebody to, you know, to, to get FSW that exposure. Um, it's, it's one of those things where you always got to put yourself out there and it's not always about money. You know, I, I mean, I get, I get, you know, people will chew me out. Oh, shit, that's not enough money. Why are you only charging them? Because sometimes it's not about the money. It's about the connection that you're making, and it's about the future. What can this person bring to the table in the future? Right. Okay? Dollar bills are great. Would I love to be making money with FSW? I would. I would love to be making money. Let's face it. If Joe hands me $400 tomorrow, hey, here's your cut of something. Okay, well, the next day I'm putting 500 in. So do I ever really make any money? No, I don't. I don't. It's as simple as that. I mean, shit, we're still, I spent three days at impact or actually four days. I haven't seen a dime of it, not a dime, you know? Man. So it's, you know, it, it's a tough and grueling business. Um, my wife hates it. She, she literally, she hates it because I I've always got to stop what I'm doing with family life and I've got to go handle FSW on top right. of Rocky T security and everything else that I do. You know, I ride in a motorcycle club. I'm an international president. So I have, you know, I wear so many hats, Matt. It's not even funny. I mean, the stories that I could tell you between the security, the wrestling, uh, the motorcycle club. I mean, we, we, I could write a book and never get to the end chapter. You know what right. I mean? Because the book is constantly being written constantly. Right. I'm always adding a chapter in that book. You know, so, but good stuff. 
Why am I here? Why do I do it? Why do I put the time in? Because I love goddamn wrestling. Now, yeah. and let me make this very clear. I am not a mark for wrestling. I don't run back and I do a lot of promos with a lot of the superstars because I'm a promo. I'm a promo guy. I do promos and a lot of vignettes. I, I do one or two every day almost. Um, I do uh, something what's called e-feds. Um, I hardly ever get to get on the show. Um, it upsets me a lot. I, I like. To, I am a character. I'm a right. character that's not a character. Rocky T is true to life. All those hats, everything that I do is pretty much real, based off of something that I've done in my life. Right. Um, I kind of turned to E-Feds. I had a good friend named David Jones, and he runs iWrestling. Um, I've been very fortunate, and I've been able to bring some of these e Some of these E-Fedders are actual wrestlers. Uh, James Drake, there's a bunch of them, the House of Wolves. Um, I have another buddy, Ch Chad Bartlett. I actually brought him out here from one of the big shows. He did a seminar with us. Uh, now he's back, and I believe it's uh, South Carolina or whatever, and he is the White Claw Outlaws. Um, I had another guy named Justin Klein uh, that was an E-Fetter. And I'll get into what an E-Fetter is in a second. But Justin was an E-Fetter. And, you know, he reached out to me because I helped the guys because I know wrestling. I, I, I work and, and live wrestling. And, you know, he's a bigger dude, not really in the a wrestler kind of guy. But Jesus got this guy is an entertainer and he could talk. I said, bro, you'd make a great manager. What is he doing now? He's out south and he's in the role as a manager doing real, real wrestling shows. So what yeah. an E-Fed is, is an E-Fed is um, they're they're little companies and it's an internet based thing. It's almost like um, uh, these little football things that you do. Um, it's all you never really wrestle. So they give you an opponent and basically what you do is you go back and forth cutting promos. Um, and then they decide at the end of it that, you know, whose promo was better and that's how you win the match. Um, I came into the business and I literally changed the business. Um E-fetters would be in their goddamn living room, sitting on their couches, yelling into a goddamn camera. I brought the reality of wrestling to the E-fed world by bringing in former superstars, current superstars, cutting promos with them, doing vignettes, getting in the ring, clotheslining people, body slamming people. I mean, literally bringing the element of real wrestling into something that was really fake. I mean, it's, that's all it was, was storyline stuff. Um, and that's what we did. Uh, and I, to this day, I still do that. That's why I'm so good on the mic. Um, right. I can cut a promo like there's, there's no tomorrow, um, at any given situation because I practice it. I practice it every day. Um, you know, I, I, I want to be the commissioner, but unfortunately when I was the commissioner, nothing against Joe, but all he really wanted me to do. And I don't know if he just doesn't like me getting the spotlight and I don't want to take the spotlight from the kids. I don't, right. you know, or the wrestlers. I don't. Um, but it, when I was the commissioner, it was basically go in the ring, announce this, announce the next shows. Hell, Paulie Cobra becomes goddamn commissioner. He's in the fucking ring with goddamn <laughs> with killer cross. I'm like, right. well, how is that work? You know, I had storyline going at one time just to be part of the show. I was the manager of the Players Club, um, right. you know, Jay Cash and Leon Hader. Um, I had fun doing that, but once again, couldn't really get involved with stuff because, you know, I was the face. I've always played the face. I'm not a heel. Uh, but shit, you, you've heard it yourself. I can go out there and fix the ropes, and they'll start chanting Rocky T for crying right. out loud. You know, that's the rapport that I have with the fans because I love the fans and I think the fans get it. They understand that, you know, what I'm doing, I'm doing not only for the wrestlers, but I'm doing it for them too. the wrestling fans. You know, that's a big part of why I do what I do. Um, seeing those young kids and even those older people just, you know, mark out and love what FSW is doing is is major for me. I mean, it, it, it it's. I guess it's my reward, Matt, you know, all kidding aside, you know, being able to sit back and say that I helped Killer Cross, I helped Jay Vidal. And by the way, Jay Vidal, if you watch this, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much once again. 
Jay Vidal was one of the only people uh, in the business that's ever came out. We did the um, the inaugural banner for Jay Vidal when he got signed for Impact. And I'm going to be honest with you, that the kid put tears in my eyes. I was having a bad day as it was uh, with shit with FSW and some other shit. And uh, Jay Vidal came out and unexpectedly. He basically came out and said that I was the heart and soul in front of the whole audience on the mic uh, and mentioned Rocky T being that. And it, and it touched me. And and at that point, because I'm going to be honest with you, I was ready to throw in the towel. I, I had such a bad day that day with shit just not being done the way I needed it to be done. This I'll get into that in a second. But Jay Vidal basically just, you know, he floored me. And it, it was that point that I realized that, you know what? No matter what happens, it, that man right there, basically, <laughs> you know, he just summed it up. If I can just touch one person's heart and one person acknowledges me as that man, then guess what? It's all worth it. It's, yeah. it's all worth it. All the hard work, all the energy that I put into FSW, it's worth it. Um, and nothing against Joe, but Joe doesn't brag about Rocky T. Oh, God, I got this great partner. He makes this go. And it's nothing personal. I know it's not. And I love him. Either way, that's just Joe DeFalco. Um, right. I was pretty upset. Um, he got a video from Solis Accor, uh, you know, putting over FSW. And it's kind of funny because when anybody mentions anything on a podcast or this or that, it's always, oh, Jay, thank you, Joe DeFalco. Very rarely do you ever hear a thank you to Rocky T. Right. Very rarely. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a human being like everybody else. It, it friggin' hurts, man. It hurts because I know the time and the money and the, you know, the effort that I put in to make the company what it is. You know what I mean? So, you know, but I just, I just keep on moving. I, I mean, I'm not a guy that needs a pat on the back. I, I really ain't. And just once in a while, it'd be great to be acknowledged for the person and the things that I do for the company. And don't get me wrong, the wrestlers, the wrestlers come up, they know, they thank me. You know what I mean? But as far as that, the outside world, they have no clue. Right. They have no clue, you know? Um, but anyway, let's get back to let's go back to the students. Uh, now that yeah. we've, you know, we talked about Jay Vidal, the banners, yeah. the guys, what we've done for the wrestling world, because we have done a lot bringing these people, you know, to WWE Impact and so on. Um, yeah. Today's students, I mean, you know what? It's crazy. I can show a guy 10 times. And it's nothing against this generation. This generation sucks. Okay? I'm going to be point blank honest with you. They all think they're privileged. You got wrestlers been wrestling for maybe two, maybe three years, and now they know it all. They went to some rinky-dink company where they got 50 people in the audience. The promoter decides to give them a title. They get a title. And now, all of a sudden, they're goddamn superstars. They stop yeah. practicing. They stop this. They stop that. They're too good to be ring crew. Uh, and it, and I'm not I'm not singling anybody out. It's just the new generation. That's the way they think, man. I'm an old school dude, bro. And when I say old school, back in the day, the guys would travel five, six guys in the car. Even the Hulk Hogan's and the Dusty Rhodes and shit. And guess what? And the Sin Bodies. And they would have to help set up the ring. That's how the show went off. Period. Yeah. You know. These kids don't retain shit, man. I, I've showed the same kids over and over again how to put a friggin' apron on, okay? Because I'm anal when it comes to my ring. They still sure. can't get it right. If I'm not there to guide them where this pole goes, where that pole goes, even the shit's numbered, okay? <laughs> they still can't do it, okay? I mean, literally, and it's sad. Um, it's just like FSW Arena. I, I'm very anal about the arena, I'll tell these kids every day, clean the goddamn gym. You never know who's walking through the door because it's true. You never know who's walking through the FSW door, whether it's a superstar, uh, a big promoter, you know, owners of the uh, big companies. There's always somebody walking through the FSW door. So I said, take pride in your house. Keep it yeah. clean. Keep everything where it needs to be. Bro, I'll walk in there. The place is trash. I got to spend two hours myself doing the job and even when they do it i gotta come back and do it over because they just didn't do it up to my standards right and not that my standards my standards are the right way okay that's let's right. just forget about everything else i expect certain things to be done a certain way i mean right. and that's the way i want them done period 
if you're not going to get them done that way, then don't even bother, you know? Um, but, you know, and I've, I've had some of the guys ragging. I mean, oh, we did this, we did that. No, you didn't do shit, okay? You didn't do shit. If I walk in and I see the chairs are still dusty, then you obviously didn't do shit. You know what I mean? If the ring's not ready for the show, then it's not ready. If the aprons aren't on, if the turnbuckles aren't on, it's not ready for the show, you know? Right. But today's generation, I just don't think they that they all get it. They all feel that they're privileged, and and it's sad. And I don't know how to change that. I really don't. Um, the wrestling world, as well as you know and I know, has definitely changed. Yeah. And I'm going to sit here and tell you straight honest, I don't think it's changed for the better. I really don't. Um, there's just so many things going on, even with the big companies, you know, you know, the, the allegations that are going on with certain wrestlers and, you know, you, back in the, you never heard about that crap back in the past. It was always a mutual kind of thing. And I still think it's, it was always still now it's a mutual kind of thing, but now they have a voice. You understand? Yeah. And, and they want to put it out there because they want sympathy or they want this or they want that, you know, it's usually for personal gain. You know what yeah. I mean? It's yeah. not for the better of the business. It's for personal gain, you know, and that's a problem for me. I'm all about the business. I, and I'll be honest with you. I've had to tone my ass down. I mean, cause I'm, I'm Italian. Everybody knows I'm an Italian and I have no filter, Matt. I, I don't. And I just talk, you know, wearing all those hats, the biker, the, you know, the CEO of a security company. I really don't have a filter, man. I say things the way that I see them. But unfortunately, yeah. nowadays, it becomes offensive to certain people. So now I've had to watch. And it sucks that I can't be that. I can't be who I, I really am anymore. I have to be somebody else. I mean, I'm still me, but I got to be somebody else around certain people. Because right. I don't want to offend anybody. And I don't. I don't want to. And I never, if I ever said anything to you, and that goes to anybody out there that offended you, that was never my intention. Okay? I, I'm not I'm not that guy. Okay? Um. But it might have come across that way because I am loud. I'm Italian and I have an attitude. I have a personality and I put it out there, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, the business is definitely different, man. Yeah, there, there is no doubt. And a lot of it, um, a lot of it has to do with, you know, the, uh, what I like to call the, uh, the TikTok. Uh, social media, the influencer, the the fact that you can get yourself over um, in entertainment now just by being on the internet, you have to work less at becoming famous as compared to someone who is training as a student and understanding you're a student, just like if you were in grade school and grammar school and high school and college. You you build, you learn, you grow, and you never stop because your ideal situation is becoming a professional, and that's what you're going through. You're going through uh, a series of learning experiences to make you become a professional, not to just become the famous guy who could put on spots on his you know Instagram uh, for people to, you know, just mark out on. And it's, it's a different, um, it's just a different philosophy. Uh, you know, back in the day, you know, when we're not in the ring, you're doing Himalaya squats and you're doing push-ups and you're doing sit-ups and you're doing all these things. And if you're out of line, you're, you know, you're being put in line by your trainers because that is how you get the discipline and you learn. And one of the biggest things uh, is, you know, participating as part of a ring crew. Um, and when you're there, also you're learning, you're observing, taking in everything around you because everyone who's working for that company, and especially with you guys having the um, relationship you do with Impact, that allows everyone to see people who are currently working for a business that is a wrestling company and you can see what everyone's job is and you know it's not the it's not the clicks it's not the you know the the hey guys we're putting on a wrestling show attitude no it's we have to get this done because this is our time we have 
in our budget for our TV taping. This is what we have to accomplish. If we don't, we are in trouble. And it's responsibility. And that's one of the biggest things. Responsibility is what is lacking nowadays. Yeah, it, it definitely is. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. We, you know, we have some great students and, and they really do push themselves. Um, I mean, I still have to chase a lot of people around and, you know, force them to do this, force them to do that. Some people have gotten kind of a, a free walk, so to speak, really didn't put in the time that they needed, but Joe pushed them anyway. That's the one thing about Joe. Joe's a great guy when it comes to that. He wants to get everybody on the show. Um, yeah. I, I've tried to step in as of lately. If I notice that guy's not doing or helping, I go to Joe say, don't friggin' put him on the goddamn show, man. You gotta, you gotta make an example somewhere. Joe's got yeah. a big heart. God bless him. He really does. And, yeah. and he does care about the students. There's a lot of them out there that think that he doesn't, but he does. He cares about the kids, the younger crew. He cares about the roster guys. He wants yeah. to get everybody on the show, you know? So even if, you know, that's kind of, I think where some of it has gone awry is because some of these guys have gotten away without not having to hell. Don't show up for this. Don't show up for that, but then still get a spot on the fucking show. So if you're not right. taking anything from them, then why would they? Hey, if I don't, no. I don't have to do that because no matter what, I'm still going to be on the show because I'm that guy. You know, yeah. guys like Nick Xander. Nick Xander's a very helpful young man. Yes. Um, Bodie, young Bodie, fantastic young man. Yeah. You know, they show up, they help out. There's certain people that have always been that way. The Matt Vandergriffs, the Bretts. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, those guys... I've been in the business. I'm not talking about Brett the Threat. He's helpful, too, when he's available, uh, you know. Um, but, um, you know, the young guy, there's, you know, the the Chase Bells, the, those yeah. roster guys help out still. Um, hell, let's put it out there. Ice Williams. Ice Williams, the faction. When I do Impact, they come and they help. You understand? Because yep. they know the value of it. Okay? Yep. I mean, and I, let, let's be honest. I'm, I'm going to be shocked if Ice Williams isn't signed here soon. Because yep. uh, Ice, Ice is a major talent. I mean, and nothing against anybody else in the faction. I think they're all great. But Ice yep. stands out. Ice is one of those guys, man. Before he turned heel, that kid would crack me up. I loved watching him because he put a smile on my face all the yep. time. I'm like, oh, my God, that was brilliant. The shit would just click in his head, and it would just it was brilliant, literally yep. brilliant. And it put a smile on my face. It would make me laugh. Uh, he became heel, and then I was a little, you know, ah. But now he found his way as a heel, and now he's yep. putting that smile back on my face. You know what I'm saying? He is a very talented young man, you know, there's, and we have, let, let's just, let's be blunt. The Remy Marcells, the, the Matt Vandergriffs, the, the Bretts, the man, we have some great, great local talent, man. Yeah. The, the Cody. Um, I mean, we have some people that have busted their ass for FSW for years and they are great talents i mean and and there ain't nobody out there you know it's like you know i i try joe me personally this is just my personal opinion this is not harping on joe i think joe overbooks shit okay joe books a show and you know he's a great booker great 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 putting the cards together but man sometimes he just it's like every goddamn match is a great 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 match i mean you sometimes need to have a progression, okay? And we start off with a great match. It's hard for the next match to do better than that and the third match to do better right. than that and so on and so on. By the time you get to the main event, was it really the main event? Right. Probably not. You follow what I'm saying? Am I making sense yeah. when I say that? Um, yeah. I think sometimes he overstacks the cards, man. You're We're giving way too much in one show. You know what I mean? I think that... My personal opinion is I think we need to utilize more local talent in the beginning of these shows. And, you know, you bring in those certain people that you need to bring in because you can run the same great show. But at least it's going to pyramid like this and not be like this. You know what I mean? Sure. Because literally what we do right now is 
every match from match one to the last match, match nine, is just great, super. I mean, in the business of yeah. wrestling, you can't give the fans that. There's no you, where. Where do you find that holy shit moments? If right. everything's a holy shit moment, it becomes a no holy shit moment. Does that make sense? Well, and and it also it also then, um, un unfortunately, the honest truth is it tires the crowd out because you right. Well, that's what I'm stuff. saying though. It's yeah. too much. It's yeah. too much. Yeah. In other words, that's what I'm saying. There's not that you don't reach that high point because you start off with the high point and it just keeps on going that same way. You know, with wrestling, I, I want to see it start here. But by, you know, mid mid show, I want it to be here. By the time that it's main event, I want it to be here. You know what I mean? And right now, the way we're booking shit straight across the board, you're just giving them everything right from match one. There's got to be those highs and those lows. You know what I'm saying? So well, and, you know, but that's that's what Joe well, likes to do. I, I mean, I'm not I'm not going to argue the fact about it. I just think that you know sometimes less is more. You know what I mean? Well, and I think that that this is a, a great time to plug one of my favorite guys because of the fact that he brings something different, and that's Ricky Tenacious. And I think that with Ricky Tenacious, it's uh, it's very important because that's someone who gives you something else, but the work he does with everyone he's in there, he makes them look like a million bucks. Yeah, let, let's talk about Ricky. I wasn't always a fan of Ricky Tenacious, okay, right from the get-go. You know, I worked as his commissioner in his show, but I'm going to tell you what. He has grown on me over the years. That kid, man, what an outstanding young man he is. He really is. He'll get in that ring and he'll put anybody over. It doesn't matter. He's not worried about putting himself over. He's worried about putting his opponent over. And yeah. he does a smoking job of it. I take my hat off to Ricky. I love that guy. I really do. Um, and his character, bro, the songbird. Oh my God. He's another one of those guys where I just, I got to sit back and I start chuckling because it's just, it's just great entertainment. He's a great yep. entertainer, man. There's, you can, that kid, every time he makes up, you know, he, he uses somebody's song, but then turns it into what he needs it for, for his, you know, entrance and shit and just comical. It's just such great stuff. Now I'm one of those guys where I like, I like everything in wrestling. I like, I like the highs. I like the lows. I like the comedy. I love the comedy stuff, too. I think that brings a big part of it to the show. Um, that's what was so cool about the Players Club uh, with Jay Cash and Leon Hader. There were so many comedy sticks involved with it, you know, um, that it made it real fun. I mean, we shit, we did. I mean, Jesus Christ, we did so many promos when I was with them. It wasn't even funny. We're at different locations. I can remember Jay Cash dressing up in the big muscle suit and Leon Hader being the newscast guy. I mean, just great, great stuff. Um, and I think, I really think that, you know, there's a big place in wrestling for those, for those comedy spots. Um, and I think the, the fans love that. Um, and I think that's what Ricky Tenacious has brought to the table. I mean, he's a great entertainer. Um, I enjoy, you know, watching the stuff that he does um, because he entertains me, you know. So kudos to him for sure. And with entertainment, uh, do, do you think that uh, one of the things that the uh, kids have to learn is how to incorporate the entertainment? Well, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I think that's the hardest part for the kids, uh, for new students. Um, you know, they're learning to wrestle. They're, they're, some of these kids, I think, get off on the wrong foot. And what I mean by that is you got, you got guys that have been in training for a year, and they're so worried about their character development, who their character is going to be. They, they worry more about that than they do actually being a wrestler. And when you do that, what happens is, you know, usually character development comes after you learn how to wrestle. You have a few matches. You see how the audience reacts, whether you're good or whether you're bad. And 
some of these guys just don't get that, that, you know, okay, I get in your head, you have, you have this thing that you want to be, or you want to do, but in reality, is that really going to work for you in front of a crowd? Maybe not. And I think they need to concentrate on becoming a great wrestler first and then worry about character development later. I mean, some of these guys are on social media talking about, you know, who they are, what they are and putting pictures of their character and shit. But you get in the ring and they they can't they can't hold a candlestick to their opponent. You know what I mean? And Rocky, um, one last thing I want to know about the, the students um, is. How important is it for you that they they show up, they listen, and they learn? Well, you know what? It's really important um, because here's the thing: we got to sign in sheet. You got to sign in when you come down. Um, you got to train, man. If you don't train, even professionals, they still got to train, man. If you don't train, your timings off. You're missing spots. Um, obviously, a lot of times the fans don't see it. You know what I mean? But I see it. I see it. I was at Impact Wrestling for those four days, and I got to tell you, man, there were some botches in a couple of the matches. I was like, what the hell? Um, so when you're in the wrestling business, you see that stuff. It's very important for those guys to be down there three or four times a week. It's important for them to show up for every goddamn ring crew that we do. Everything that we do, whether we're setting up a ring first at Sunset Park or for Impact Wrestling, they need to be there. They need to be on point. They need to really start paying more attention to the details. And it's the same thing when you get into the ring. It's all about the details. Setting up the ring is details. The, the entryways, it's all about the details. Being a great wrestler is all about the details. It's all about those little small things that you do in the ring that make you who you are. you got to embrace the fans. If you don't embrace the fans, if you can't make that connection with the fans, it doesn't matter how great of a wrestler you are. It don't mean shit. If you cannot connect with the fans, whether it's good or bad, whether they're, and I always say this, if they're booing you, you're doing your job. If they're cheering you, you're doing your job. Yeah, obviously, you're getting cheered as a face. You're getting booed as a heel. If you're not getting any of that, then you're not doing your job. You're not connecting with the fans. You have to connect with the fans. That's the bottom line. Remember, who is paying to see you? Those fans are. Who are you doing this for? Most of the time, you're doing it for the fans. You're not doing it for me. You're doing it for the fans. you got to have the connection with the fans. If you don't have the connection with the fans, then you're wasting your time in this business. I mean, you really are. So it's important to be there for setups. It's important for you to train. It's important for you to look and worry about those small things because it's the small things, the way you act in the ring, the 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 the, the little minutes that you take in between the moves and, and, and pandering to the fans and the facial expressions and it all, it all, it, all of that together makes you what you are. You right. know what I mean? And some of these guys don't get it. They go out there, they run an eight minute match and everybody wants to get their high flying shit in. They want to do right. this. They want to do that. Listen, like I said before, sometimes less is better than more. You know what I mean? you got to give the crowd time to react. If you don't give the crowd time to react to what you did and you're just on to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, I right. can't soak it all in. I'm yep. a fan. I, I, I can't soak it all in. I want right. to soak it in. I want you to tell me the story. And right. it's not easy to tell a story in the ring. Okay? It's not. It takes years of experience in order to do that. And don't yep. get me wrong. We have a lot of great guys that are, you know, on point with it. The faction, man, the faction has come so far. I mean, yeah. they really have yeah. great stuff out of those guys. The Chris Bays. The, I mean, you know, I can sit here all day and name these guys, but everybody knows who they are. I put kudos to all our, our regulars and uh, they do a great job. But when you're a student, when you're one or two years in, it's hard. Um, let's yeah. take, Let's take Nick, uh, Nick yeah. Xander, the heartbeat. My God, that kid has come so far in the last couple of years. He's in the gym every day. He's still training. He works a full-time job. He's starting to look the part. His body is phenomenal now. Yep. Um, and he registers with the crowd. Jesus Christ, the kid registers. Young Bodie registers with the crowd. Right. They cheer yep. that kid on. 
Now, uh, let's talk about um, Brett. Brett the Threat. Yep. Brett's yep. body's come a long ways over the last year. Yep. He is a major heel, but he is he has honed his skill in. That crowd hates his ass, yep. but that's what we want, right? right? So kudos to those students because they get it. They they get it, and they're moving on, doing what they need to do. Um, yep. But not everybody does. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, maybe they'll watch this podcast. Maybe they'll take some of, you know, what I talked about. Maybe they'll take it to heart, Matt, what we've talked about. And maybe they'll start yeah. implementing those things in the middle of that ring. Yeah. You know why? Because Rocky T said so. Well, anyway, you know, usually. <laughs> well, there what you go. You, um, I, you know what? Hey, oh, and by the way, fans, just so you know, when you're seeing the side of my head, for some reason, I can't hear Matt very good. So it's me coming closer to my device to listen because I don't want to miss anything. Okay. And if you got a problem with that, then you got a problem with Rocky T. And the next time you see me, I'll take care of that little problem. Well, that's a good uh, a good place to uh, uh, say. Do you have any final words for the uh, listeners today before we wrap up? You know what? I just first of all, I'd like to say thank you to you, bro, uh, Matt. You're a great guy. Bad Boys Podcast, love you guys. You're a sponsor for FSW. Uh, you're always putting FSW over. I appreciate it. The one thing I'm a little concerned about is why, you know, we have the Joe DeFalco files and we don't have, you know, a segment with Rocky T here, you know, on a regular basis. I'm a little concerned about that, yeah. Matt. You know what I mean? Because, you know, after all, I, I, I am a showman. I am Rocky T. Yeah. I am 50% of FSW. So really, if you want the scoop, man, you need to talk to the guy, the man, the man. Because that's what Rocky T is. I am the man. I am the myth. I am the legend destroyer. Rocky T. On that note, Matt, it has been a pleasure. And I really hope that we can do this again real soon. Because uh, I could talk with you all day long, brother. I really could. I, I got a feeling that uh, we'll be seeing that in the future very much uh, so, and uh, we'll make that happen. Um, everyone listening, again, uh, this is uh, something we wanted to do to uh, present a little different aspect of what goes on in FSW. Uh, and uh, today is April 1st that we're releasing this. So um, Joe did not know that this was happening. And uh, hey, Joe, guess what? We got you, bro. We got you. You're not the only man in FSW, okay? Just remember that, buddy, partner. And you see how I put you over, Joe DelFalco? Because that's what Rocky T does. Now I expect that in return in the future there, buddy old pal. And there you have it. Um, uh, and then you can catch the DeFalco Files uh, this week here. Uh, it will be out, I believe, on uh, Tuesday. So uh, keep your eyes out for that. And uh, again, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, thank you, Rocky, for doing this. And uh, again, I think the future holds something where um, fans are going to be interested to hear what you have to say. And I think we'll uh, be uh, visiting this again very soon. Sounds good, Matt. Thank you so much, brother. Appreciate you. I really do. All right, everyone. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time. Yeah.